الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا وسندنا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في كتابه العزيز بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي انزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا قيما لينذر باسا شديدا من لدنه ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون الصالحات ان لهم اجرا حسنا ماكثين فيه ابدا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تقوم الساعه حتى يتقارب الزمان فتكون السنه كالشهر والشهر كالجمعه والجمعه كاليوم او كما قال عليه الصلاه والسلام respected elders brothers and sisters in islam many of us are aware and keeping with the theme of this year's retreat a topic that is very pertinent to all of us it deals with each and every single individual of the ummah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam dealing with our faith in the face of difficulty and particularly in light of suratul kahf and some of the aspects we will hear in detail over the weekend over the next 3 days but in general nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentioned in the hadith that a time will come that there will be such fitan badiru bil a'mali fitanan ka qita'il laylil mudlim said hasten to do good deeds before such fitan such trials and tribulations come which will be similar he likened it to the darkness of the night and a person understands this that from the time of maghrib when the sun sets as the night goes on each portion of the night is darker than the previous portion so as the sun sets there's some light that remains and then as the time of isha comes closer that that light gets darker and slowly darker until midnight comes and it's pitch dark nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the trials will not get easier it's not that there is one dark period and all of a sudden then everything is he said it will get darker and darker and more and more difficult فَيُصْبِحُ الرَّجُلُ مُؤْمِنًا وَيُمْسِي كَافِرًا وَيُمْسِي مُؤْمِنًا وَيُصْبِحُ كَافِرًا said a person will wake up in the morning as a believer and by the evening he will be a disbeliever he'll have lost his iman وَيُمْسِي مُؤْمِنًا وَيُصْبِحُ كَافِرًا said in the evening a person will have iman will be a mu'min but such events will transpire over the night over the evening that by the time morning comes around the person will no longer have iman يَبِيعُ دِينَهُ بِعَرَضٍ مِّنَ الدُّنْيَا Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said he'll sell The person will sell their iman بِعَرَضٍ مِّنَ الدُّنْيَا For some cheap, valueless property of this world And we see this happening right and left In today's time, the point that we should all come into this weekend with Is knowing that these topics, they deal with me I need to know how to protect my iman 
Because every single individual will face trials and tribulations. This is from the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That well, do, you, do you feel Allah asks us in the Quran that you will not be tested? That you will say that I'm a believer, I have iman, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't test you? So we need to understand that these trials and tribulations that face us, it's not that there's no way out of it. And all of the comparisons we can easily draw and the examples and the lessons that we can draw from the Qur'an and from the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the lives of the Sahaba, we have to understand what they are and how they apply to me. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith that I mentioned, he mentions that a time will come and one aspect of these fitan is what we refer to as taqarabu zaman La taqumu sa'atu hatta yataqarabu zaman Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said the day of judgment will not come until a time comes when taqarub of zaman, of the time, takes place. And what does this, this literally means? Is that if you, if you translate it literally, it means that time will get closer, will be shorter. So we could ask, does that mean that instead of 24 hours in a day, there will be only 12? Or that a person will have less time, fewer minutes in an hour? Or fewer seconds in a minute. And we understand this from the lives of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. It's a concept that many of us very vaguely understand. And the concept, it's referred to as barakah. Because we all make dua for it. We come to Mawli and say that, you know, my daughter is getting married. Make dua for barakah in their house. Or I started this business venture. Make dua that we get barakah in the venture. But literally what barakah is translated as as al-manafi'u al-kathira bil asbab al-qalila a lot of benefit through very little means it's not just a, an increase the sahaba radiyallahu anhum had such barakah in their lives that in the short period of time that they lived on this earth they made an effort that they're still earning today Imagine the likes of Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi radiallahu an. He comes to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And his story is also an amazing story. He's traveling to Makkah al-Mukarramah for the purpose of business. He's not a believer. He doesn't have iman. And as he's approaching Makkah, before he even gets there, the people of Makkah are aware that this person is coming. He was a very well-known businessman, very respected in society. So they sent a delegation out of Makkah al-Mukarramah to go greet him outside. And when they met him, the first thing they told him, they said, there is a man in Makkah al-Mukarramah who has started calling to a religion other than the religion of our forefathers. And because of him, families are being divided. Some fathers are accepting and the sons aren't accepting. The sons are accepting, the daughters are accepting and the parents are not accepting. Husbands are accepting and the wives aren't accepting. Families are being ripped apart and this is how they put it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was told that so far what you have been through, all of that difficulty, it's not going to stop. That your effort of deen, you're, a, you're calling to Allah. And it requires for you It requires for you to face a lot of hardship 
and people will say negative things. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa went through it his whole life. So anyways, Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi radiallahu is warned. He says, don't go listen to this person. Don't hear anything that he has to say. And then they, they called him names. He's a, he has, he's a kahin. He's a sha'ir, sahir. He uses magic. He uses poetry. He uses fortune telling. And these are the tricks that he plays to lead people towards his religion. Which was the religion of haqq. And so Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi radiallahu anhi, he narrates the incident himself. He says, says, I was so afraid of even accidentally hearing what this man had to say, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that not only did I say I'm not going to go sit with him or talk to him, he says, I shoved cotton into my ears so that I wouldn't even accidentally hear what he had to say. And then he goes into Makkatul Mukarramah, he does his business. And as was the custom, even before Islam, they would visit the Baytullah Kaaba. And when he comes into the confines, the precinct of the Kaaba, he sees a man. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he guides somebody, then against all the means, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can guide somebody. And he sees this man and he says, you know what, he looks like he's attracted to him. And then it, it strikes him that this must be that man that they're speaking about. And all of this apprehension and all the you know, protection that he's taken is there. He has cotton in his ears. He's made up his mind. He's not going to hear anything this person has to say. But he sees him once. And the thought crosses his mind. He looks like a beautiful person. And I'm intelligent. And he starts reasoning with himself. So I can decide whether what he's saying makes sense or not. And so he removes the cotton. And he goes to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And he hears the few words that he has to say And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had written hidayah for him So a man who had been afraid to even meet Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He accepts Islam And the first thing out of his mouth is what? He says, Ya Rasulullah, give me permission And this is something that we need to understand That today it's not enough for us to say we're Muslim Or to claim that our family is Muslim Or just to say the kalima but until we stand up for what we believe in and make an effort on it, then we're not protected from the trials and tribulations that we're facing in, in, the, in the society today. And he's so driven. He says, Ya Rasulullah, give me permission. I'm going to go back to my people, the people of Daus, and I want to invite them to Islam. They need to get this also. This is beautiful. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives him permission. And we know what dedication Tufail ibn Amr radiallahu an showed. And such hardships he faced, today we might say Islamophobia or this difficulty. It's hard to offer my salah at work. It's hard to keep the sunnah at work. I won't get a job if I practice like this or I do that. And these are challenges that we face. Tufail ibn Umar al-Dawsi radiallahu an went one solo man and went back to his tribe of disbelievers who for generations had lived in ignorance. And he sees his father and the first thing he tells him says, I have nothing to do with you. Me and you, no more, to, no more conversations, nothing. His father says, what happened? What's going on? Says, I've been to see the greatest man on the face of this earth. And I have brought iman in him. Until you also bring iman, then I have nothing to do with you. And so his father accepts. His wife comes into the house. Tells his wife the same thing. I have nothing to do with you. Don't talk to me. 
So I said, what, what happened? What did I do? So it's the same thing. That I've accepted the religion of this man, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And until you also do so, then I have nothing to do with you. His wife also accepts. But then Tufayl radiallahu anhi continued. He went to the people of his town. And he spoke to them similarly. But nobody accepted. And not only did they not accept, we know that everybody in that, in that time, from Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam down to all of the sahaba radiallahu anhum, that they faced hardship and ridicule because of their iman. Hardship after hardship. Today we say our challenges are what? It's difficult to make wudu in public. It's difficult to offer salah in front of our co-workers. Or because of certain people, what they're saying and what they're doing, then it's hard to practice Islam. We're afraid. Literally Abu Bakr radiallahu an, when he accepted Islam and he stood up for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they beat him till he almost died. And when he woke up, we know it was three days in and out of consciousness. They were afraid that, he, that his, his tribe had already taken a vow. That if he passes away, then we're going to take revenge. We're going to take, you know, the payment in blood from those who have committed this crime. And when he wakes up and he comes to consciousness, the first thing out of the mouth of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, how is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So this oneness of purpose, this drive that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum had, Tufail ibn Umar al-Dawsi radiallahu an, he wasn't discouraged. He continued. All of them are making fun of him. For a year he continues and then he comes back to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that Ya Rasulullah إِنَّ دَوْسًا قَدْ عَصَتْ وَأَبَتْ فَدْعُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِمْ Said these people of those, they're rejecting my message and they're continuing to transgress. There's nothing that can be done for them. I give up. Too much. One year. They're, you know, they're giving me a hard time. They're making fun of me. They're torturing us for our iman. So make dua against them. Curse them. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the narration mentions he turned towards Qibla. And he raised his hands. And the dua of a Nabi. Allahumma hdi dawsan wa'ti bihim. He says, oh Allah, guide dawus. Give the people of dawus hidayah and bring them to me. So Tufail radiallahu anhi interjects, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I said dua against them. And you're making dua for them. He said, no, no, no. I said dua against them, curse them. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, Ma bu'ithtu la'anan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send me as somebody that would curse others. He says, oh Tufail, you go back. And you continue making your effort. If it's us, the teacher sometimes says, no, no, it's... You have to continue. There's no excuses. Keep making effort. Say, no, it's too difficult. Hands up. I can't study anymore. I have this difficulty and that difficulty. Tufail ibn Umar radiallahu an went back to his people. And in a year's time, he came back to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And along with him came the entire tribe of Dawus. And they all accepted Islam at the hands of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And amongst them were the likes of Abu Huraira radiallahu an. Because of whom nobody amongst the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, nobody has narrated as many ahadith as Abu, Hur- Abu Huraira radiallahu an. The great collections of ahadith we have, they're dependent on Abu Huraira radiallahu an. And all of that, till today we say, Haddathana so and so, wabihi qala haddathana so and so, and Imam Bukhari's sanad, and Imam Muslim's sanad, all of those asanid are dependent on Abu Huraira radiallahu an. More than 5,000 ahadith. Narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu anh. 
and his all of his effort and his teaching and our benefit is going straight into the account of Tufail ibn Umar al-Dawsi radiallahu anhu because he didn't give up because when the going got tough he got going he said that I'm not going to give up Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent him back and so many examples the time the, the, the era that we live in is not an excuse rather it's an excuse for us to learn what we need to do we make it an excuse to not do to stay away from deen but when, when, when the situation gets difficult and it's more difficult to practice our deen that's an excuse for us to learn what the solution is as Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he so beautifully puts it, he says, دَعِلْ أَيَّامَ تَفْعَلُ مَا تَشَاءُ وَطِبْ نَفْسًا إِذَا حَكَمَ الْقَضَاءُ وَلَا تَجْزَعْ لِحَادِثَةِ الْلَيَالِ فَمَا لِحَوَادِثِ الدُّنْيَا بَقَاءُ وَكُنْ رَجُلًا عَلَى الْأَهْوَالِ جَلْدًا وَشِيمَتُكَ السَّمَاحَةُ وَالْوَفَاءُ وَإِنْ كَثُرَتْ عُيُوبُكَ فِي الْبَرَايَا وَسَرَّكَ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهَا غِطَاءُ يُغَطَّى بِالسَّمَاحَةِ كُلُّ عَيْبٍ وَكَمْ عَيْبٍ يُغَطِّيهِ السَّخَاءُ وَلَا وَلَا تُرِ لِلْأَعَادِي قَطُّ ذُلًّا فَإِنَّ شَمَاتَةَ الْأَعْدَاءِ بَلَاءُ وَلَا تَرْجُ السَّمَاحَةَ مِنْ بَخِيلٍ فَمَا فِي النَّارِ لِلظَّمْآنِ مَاءُ وَرِزْقُكَ لَيْسَ يُنْقِصُهُ التَّأَنِّي وَلَيْسَ يَزِيدُ فِي الرِّزْقِ الْعَنَاءُ وَلَا حُزْنٌ يَدُومُ وَلَا سُرُورٌ وَلَا بُؤْسٌ عَلَيْكَ وَلَا رَخَاءُ وَلَا بُؤْسٌ عَلَيْكَ وَلَا رَخَاءُ وَمَنْ نَزَلَتْ بِسَاحَتِهِ الْمَنَايَا وَمَنْ نَزَلَتْ بِسَاحَتِهِ الْمَنَايَا فَلَا أَرْضٌ تَقِيهِ وَلَا سَمَاءُ وَأَرْضُ اللَّهِ وَاسِعَةٌ وَلَكِنْ إِذَا نَزَلَ الْقَضَاءَ ضَاقَ الْفِضَاءُ دَعِ الْأَيَّامَ تَغْدِرُ كُلَّ حِينٍ فَمَا فِي فَمَا يُغْنِي عَنِ الْمَوْتِ الدَّوَاءُ to translate it itself would take up the rest of the time that we have but in summary imam shafi'i rahimahullah says da'il ayyama taf'alu ma tasha'u says leave days and the happenings around you and the turbulence that you face and the difficult situations that we have says let what's happening around you let it happen don't pay it any attention and be pleased when the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come then it's on us that we should be pleased with it and that means that regardless of what we can use as an excuse, we continue following the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَكُنْ رَجُلًا عَلَى الْأَهْوَالِ جَلْدًا وَشِيمَتُكَ سَمَاحَةُ وَالْوَفَاءُ says, be a person that in difficulty you are very steadfast. Don't be like a person who gives up. Be the one who stays steadfast. وَكُنْ رَجُلًا عَلَى الْأَهْوَالِ جَلْدًا and in essence, in, towards the end of the couplet, Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he then says that وَلَا حُزْنٌ يَدُومُ وَلَا سُرُورُ There is no grief that remains forever. وَلَا سُرُورُ Nothing of happiness is also forever. In other words, don't get too high on your achievements and accomplishments. And don't get too low on difficulties and hardships. وَلَا حُزْنٌ يَدُومُ وَلَا سُرُورُ وَلَا بُؤْسٌ عَلَيْكَ وَلَا رَخَاءُ No difficulties forever, no ease is forever. And then Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he closes, he says, Woman says in, in, in essence, a person who makes the, the qana'ah, who makes the, the being content with whatever they have, their staple, says that person lives like the king of this world, regardless of whether they have a lot or whether they have very little. 
says, وَمَنْ نَزَلَتْ بِسَاحَتِهِ الْمَنَايَا And that person who death visits them. فَلَا أَرْضٌ تَقِيهِ وَلَا سَمَاءُ He says, there's no portion of the earth, there's no heaven, there's no part of the sky that can protect a person from death. وَأَرْضُ اللَّهِ وَاسِعَةٌ وَلَكِنْ إِذَا نَزَلَ الْقَضَى ضَاقَ الْفِضَاءُ says, the earth is very vast. We think it's so big. There's so much to achieve. We have so many goals. There's so much to do. إِذَا نَزَلَ الْقَضَى ضَاقَ الْفِضَاءُ says, but when the, the decree of Allah comes, when death comes to a person, says, regardless of what they have and what they've achieved, then the very environment that they're in, the air that they're breathing becomes very difficult for them. دَعِ الْأَيَّامَ تَغْدِرُ كُلَّ حِينٍ فَمَا يُغْنِي عَنِ الْمَوْتِ الدَّوَاءُ says, leave days. They keep fooling everybody. تَغْدِرُ كُلَّ حِينٍ Every new advancement in technology, every new discovery, every new gadget that comes out, it says constantly, it continues. It continues to deceive and fool you. It says, leave it. Don't pay it any attention. فَمَا يُغْنِي عَنِ الْمَوْتِ الدَّوَاءُ says, no matter how much you achieve and how far science and technology takes us, and the field of medicine and science and their advancements go. فَمَا يُغْنِي عَنِ الْمَوْتِ الدَّوَاءُ He says, there's no medicine that can cure death. There's no medicine or treatment that can cure death. As, it's, it's, as Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he says in another set of couplets about, about a doctor. He says, إِنَّ الطَّبِيبَ بِطِبِّهِ وَدَوَائِهِ لَا يَسْتَطِيعُ دِفَاعَ مَقْدُورِ الْقَضَاءِ مَا لِلطَّبِيبِ يَمُوتُ بِالدَّاءِ الَّذِي كَانَ يُبْرِئُ مِثْلَهُ فِي مَا مَضَى هَلَكَ الْمُدَاوِي وَالْمُدَاوَى وَالَّذِي جَلَبَ الدَّوَاءَ وَبَاعَهُ وَمَنِ اشْتَرَى says, إِنَّ الطَّبِيبَ بِطِبِّهِ وَدَوَائِهِ He says, the doctor with his science of medicine and all of his certificates and all of the effort that he's made in the field of medicine لا يستطيع دفاع مقدور القضائي says, even he doesn't have the capacity to cure somebody and to take away the decree of Allah when it comes. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed death, then there's no treatment for death. It says, What's wrong with the doctor? How can he die with the sickness that he used to cure other people of? He used to cure people. He was a cancer specialist, and then he got cancer. He used to give prescriptions to people for a certain sickness, and then that same sickness came to him. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah says, what's wrong with this doctor? He's dying with the sickness that he used to treat. Says the mudawi, the one who gives the treatment. Wal-mudawa, the one who gets the treatment. Wal-ladhi jalabad-dawa'a, the one who even made the medicine. These pharmaceutical companies. And the people who are constantly in the lab checking sicknesses and finding out their cures. Says, Walladi Jalabad Dawa'a, the one who invented the medicine also. Jalabad Dawa'a, the one who went to the pharmacy and bought medicine. The one who stood behind the counter at the pharmacy and sold the medicine. Says, Halaka Kulluhum. Halaka al Mudawi, Wal Mudawa, Walladi Jalabad Dawa'a, Waba'ahu, Wamanishtara. Says, All of them, they all ended up dying. So at the end of the day, we have to recognize what is the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That in the time that we're on this earth, we will definitely face hardships. The test is not that we give up when hardships come, but that when hardships come, we use, as, we use those hardships as an excuse to drive ourselves forward. To understand and learn what does Allah want from me in this case and in this situation. 
And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they faced the hardships and they gave us the solution. And the promise of Allah is there. مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah says a person who does righteous deeds from amongst the men and amongst the women وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ and they're a believer فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا Allah says in this very life they'll get a life of beauty a beautiful life a perfect life what every one of us doing our nine to fives is searching for is peace, is security, is being content that we don't have to worry about the next bill. We don't have to worry about where my children are in the morning or the evening. We don't have to worry about the safety and security of my family. That's what every one of us is chasing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the solution in the Quran, man amila salihan, says do the work of deen. Make effort to do righteous deeds. Allah says, I'll give you a good life in this world. And then their ajr will be given even more so in the hereafter. When the Sahaba understood this, Allah showed them honor in this very life. And with this, I'll close Abdullah ibn Hudhafa in the life of Umar ibn al-Khattab. He sends him towards Rome. He's the head of a huge expedition, the leader. And they're captured by one of the Roman generals. And Abdullah ibn Hudhafa, all of the army of, all of his expedition, the whole group, they're in captivity. And so the king, he summons Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu an into his court and he's brought in shackles. And the king threatens him and first entices him, says, give up, all I want is for you to denounce your belief in this religion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam." Claim our religion. Leave this deen of your one Allah and your Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and I will leave you to go. Abdullah ibn Hazafa radiallahu said, No. He said, I'll give you half of my kingdom and your choice of women and your choice of wealth and riches if you just renounce the religion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abdullah ibn Hazafa radiallahu said, No. To them it was a very easy choice. It, was, it wasn't difficult. There was no you know, hesitation. Weighing the benefits and the harms. If I do this, how much salary will I make or how much will I lose? How many benefits are in it for me? And how, many, you know, how much time do I have to give up? How much time do I have to be away from the family? Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu said no. So he said if you don't, now he started threatening him. So he tried enticing him. So these are the tests of shaitan. Sometimes it's wealth and, and sometimes it's difficulty. So on the flip side, he started threatening him. He says, if you don't, then we're going to torture you. We're going to put you on the cross. And we're going to execute you. Abdullah ibn Hazafa radiallahu said, so what? So he's hung. Literally, Abdullah ibn Hazafa radiallahu was put up on a cross. And he was told, we're going to execute you. And he stood there. He didn't say anything. So the king instructed his archers, he said, line up like you're going to execute him. But when you shoot, just miss him just to the right, just to the left, above, below. Just scare him. You know, these scare tactics of war, they happened back then also. So Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anhu is on the cross. He sees the archers line up. He sees them pull their bow and arrows. And he's watching it and he's remaining steadfast and he's not saying anything. And he watches the arrows come at him and just miss. 
one after another, by his head, by his legs, by his arms. And he's not moving. So the king says, this isn't working. He says, stop. He says, bring him back. So they bring him back down. They bring him back to the king. He says, if you don't renounce your deen now, he says, I gave you one chance. I'll give you one more chance. If you don't, he has his army, he has his people prepare a huge pot of boiling oil. He says, now if you don't renounce, then your companions, the people that are with you, one by one will bring them and will throw them into this boiling oil in front of you. Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh stayed firm. So one person was dragged and in front of him, that person, his companion, was thrown into the pot of boiling oil. Another person was dragged and in front of Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh, he was thrown into the pot of boiling oil. And he didn't shake, he didn't move. The king says, finally, give, I give up. Just take him and throw him into the oil himself. He's grabbed and he's dragged. He's taken towards the pot of boiling oil. And as he's being taken, Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh starts crying. So the king, this was the whole point. When a zalim comes into power, then all they want to do is show their strength. That's all their ob objective is. There's nothing else to show that I have power and you don't. And when he sees Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh crying, he says, now I've won. So that was the whole point, was to break him down. He says, bring him back, bring him back. So he comes back to the king. The king says, now, he says, now you recognize. And he's gloating. He says, yes, I broke you. Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh looks at the king and says, you have misunderstood these tears coming from my eyes. You have no idea what you're talking about. So as I was being dragged a thought came to my mind, I saw the hairs on my arm. I saw the hairs that were standing up on my arm. And I thought to myself, how wonderful would it be if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give me as many lives as I have hairs on my body so that I could give each and every single one of them for the, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the same way that I'm giving just this one life. But I started crying because I only have this one life to give. The king was amazed. Well, what do you say to a person like this? Says, I'm threatening you with your life. He says, I want to have more lives so I can give all of them. The king said, fine, then all I ask from you is, you're not going to shake, you're not going to move. Then just kiss my forehead and I'll let you go. Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh said, will you allow my companions to go free as well? Look at that in the, you know, they say in the, the, the heat of the fire. He's in the middle of this turmoil and this difficulty and the first thing he's worried about, he says, my companions. What about them? The king says, if you kiss my forehead, I'll let all of them go. Abdullah ibn Huzafa radiallahu anh comes forth, he kisses the forehead of the king, and they're all set free. As they're returning to Madinatul Munawwara, the news reaches Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anh, the Amir al-Mu'mineen. Can you imagine that return? We dream of being successful, and, and, and having our name said with respect, and having people recognize us, and all of these things of dunya titles, and the graduation ceremony of a person, and the 10-year certificate, and this accomplishment, and that accomplishment. But Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu anh is returning to Madinatul Munawwara, returning from the jaws of death, and having protected his iman. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anh hears this news of what happened. He makes an announcement. And he decrees this order. حَقٌّ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ أَن يُقَبِّلَ رَأْسَ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ حُذَافَ وَأَنَا أَبْدَأُ He says, I decree, it's the law, every Muslim in this kingdom must 
kiss the forehead of Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu an wa ana abda'u. He says, I will be the one to start. Abdullah ibn Hudhafa radiallahu an enters. The whole court of, the, of, of Umar ibn al-Khattab stands. Al-Khattab radiallahu an himself comes down and he comes first. He kisses the forehead of Abdullah ibn Hudhafa. And one by one, the great Sahaba radiallahu anhum and all of the companions and all of the Muslims, they lined up and they kissed the forehead of Abdullah ibn Hudhafa. When they made sacrifices and they prioritized deen. So this weekend and this program that's there is this, that how can I learn to prioritize my deen before everything else? How can I... It's for everybody. Everyone faces their own tests. Everybody faces their own challenges. But the test is what? In that challenge, in that difficulty, in that, in that test, how do I please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do I do what is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me this reality and give all of us this reality that whatever we face, and may Allah make it easy for us, but whatever we face, Allah make it easy first and foremost. But whatever tests we do face, that we pass them in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes pleased with us and we leave this world in a state that Allah is pleased with us. Allah give me the tawfiq and all of us the tawfiq. If I could request all the brothers to quickly fill in the gap, stand up and move forward inshallah so we can accommodate the brothers that are outside as well. Jazakumullahu khayra. And we can pray our sunnahs, inshallah, for we have a few minutes to make our sunnahs. Jazakumullah.